0: Well, we have been spending our year talking about having hope. Uh, kind of feel like in 2022, we'll need to do that for 2021, like we have had to do for 2020. With this year reminding us of all the things that we have to be hopeful for. Um, we're going to talk about how to have hope uh, when hope when our health fails, when when things can get difficult, when it comes to our earthly bodies. And that sometimes can be one of our greatest challenges is dealing with the physical circumstances uh, of our bodies and still having hope in the face of such a difficulty. Our our text that was just read for us is 2 Corinthians 5. I want to focus on this one particular sentence and then we're going to kind of back up and consider uh, the context all around it for why Paul would say this very thing. When he he says in 2 Corinthians 5 In verse 5, now the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the spirit uh, as a down payment. Anytime you ever have God telling you this is your purpose, you definitely have to open your eyes, perk up your ears, raise an eyebrow. God is saying, all right, here's why you exist. Here is what I want you to do. Here is what I want you to understand. And and this purpose statement is then all around. This idea that Paul has regarding what is happening to his body. Now, let's back up a little bit into chapter 4 and get a sense of what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Back in verse 8 of chapter 4, he says that we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying the body of the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. I want you to see this this context because... What he is talking about is the various experiences that he is enduring with with his body, and he is talking about it in terms of the gospel, and we've seen that in the book of Acts as we've looked at that on Sunday mornings, is that Paul is constantly dealing with Physical problems because he is preaching the gospel. He is getting all kinds of negative reactions. He's dragged out of cities. He's stoned. He's attacked. He's imprisoned. He is beaten. He has all kinds of things that keep happening to him in the process. And it's important just to get a sense of the context that when Paul writes about what is happening to his body and his body being given over to death. And decaying, he's not meaning it in terms of that he's going to live this long life of being 90 years old and your body is wasting away, but that he is giving it sacrificially for the cause of Christ. Now, in understanding that, I think the way the Apostle Paul looks at the decline of his physical body and his health has application for us, and that's why I'm using this text. But I think it's important to see that. Paul has such a mind about his physical body and about his health that he is willingly forfeiting it and sacrificing it and giving it over. The language that he uses is that he's carrying the the bo- in his body the death of Jesus in verse ten, and then in verse eleven, we who live are always being given over to death. Over and over again, he keeps saying, we're sacrificing ourselves, offering up our lives. We are suffering so that you can have life. It is all ultimately for the gospel. And as he speaks to all of those things, verse 16 is really interesting because he he then says, and we're not discouraged by that. We don't give up. We don't lose heart even though our body is being given over and it's wasting away and it's being beaten and and we're going through these things to such a degree that you could say that it is us giving our bodies over to death. He says we're not discouraged. We don't lose heart. And so I think the big question to consider here is why is it that Paul can keep staring death in the face keep experiencing persecution, keep having his body endure that kind of physical mistreatment such that he will say that his body is wasting away and still say, we don't lose heart. We don't give up. We're not discouraged. Even though I'm sure he could look at his body and go, I bear the marks of Christ as he would even write. I can see them on my body of what I have given up for the cause of Christ. I want you to listen to to what he says there in verse 16. Chapter 4, verse 16. We do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Say We don't lose heart. Why not, Paul? Because even though the physical body, the outer self, the shell, is wasting away, it's breaking down, it is not functioning like it used to, he says as that process is happening, he says something else is happening. The inner self is being renewed day by day. Isn't that an interesting thing to say? That it's almost in a pendulum that as the body is decaying, the inner self is renewing all the more. As the body breaks down, as it's wasting away, he says, but our inner self is only being renewed all the more. And I think that is an interesting thing that he says. In fact, he says there in verse 18 that what he's doing is that he is looking to the things that are unseen, not to the things that are seen. Verse 18, for the things that are seen are temporary, they're transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What's he getting at? I think one of the things that's important to see is that he gives a picture here that our deteriorating bodies, this decaying, this wasting away that happens in our body is supposed to remind us that we aren't supposed to be here forever. That the decaying of the body and the wasting away is only the encouragement and, and, and the sustaining of the inner self. Because we understand that we are not meant to stay here. And that is what I think he's picturing here. Is that this is supposed to renew us inwardly. Our breaking bodies remind us to look for an eternal reality. And I think that's pretty true. You think about when you were really young. How you thought you were invincible. (laughs) I look back at younger kids and go. Man. (laughs) You're crazy. You're going to kill yourself. But when I was that age, I didn't think. I just thought, yeah, I'm invincible. You know, anything can happen. And as time goes by and as the body wears down, it starts clicking into us more that we're not supposed to be here. These bodies aren't meant to be permanent. These seen things are temporary. So he says in verse 18, the things that are seen are temporary. Well, what's his context? This This is what I can see. It's temporary, but what I can't see, the inner self, that's eternal. That is only becoming stronger. It's being renewed day by day as the physical body wears out. And I think that's an important picture because it is a reminder of us for us that our breaking bodies are supposed to cause a greater dependence upon God. Uh, The more the body wears down, the more I realize I need God all the more. As the body becomes more and more frail, the more is pushed to that dependence on God. And that's why I think he does not lose heart. The first hope that he's giving is, yeah, my body can be wasting away. Sure, I can be losing my health. I can be beaten and persecuted and dragged out of cities. But that's just making me stronger on the inside. The inner self is only being renewed by that because it's not about this physical body but rather about the hope that we have in terms of eternity. That is one of the things that you see with Paul. You ever wonder, how can you be giving yourself over like that? It was just a few weeks ago. We saw Paul dragged out of the city after being stoned and left for dead. And the very next line is the other believers gather around him. and He gets up and they go back into the city. And you go, Paul, how can you do that? Because this thing's Temporary. The outer self's wasting away. It's not, it's not permanent. And it was never intended to be that way. And so thus it is the picture that is given to us is that our hope, number one, is that our bodies are not intended to last. And notice that's what he describes as he moves into chapter five in that very picture. Chapter five, verse one, For we know that if the, the tent is. That is, our earthly home is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. I want you to see the picture that's given here, some beautiful pictures that that are given here. The first thing he says in verse one is, we know we have. Do you see that in verse one? Here's what we know that we have. And I always love, here's what you're supposed to know. We know we have something here. Here is a certainty, not a picture of, well, I don't really know what's going to happen later. I don't know what's going to happen with our physical bodies and, and eternity. He says, no, here's what we know. We know that if this tent, this physical body, this thing that has been given to us is destroyed, the rest of it is not, it's all over for you. No, we know That if the physical body is destroyed. We have a building from God. We have a temporary. But that is going to be switched into an eternal. We have something that is described as a tent. You have to love the imagery of this. Tent is temporary. He says you know that you have that tent now. But. But. When that tent's destroyed, you have a building, an eternal body that is given to us by God. And the framework then is not a possibility, but is given to us as a reality that we have something that we are going to be shifting from the temporary to the permanent. That everything here is about the temporary. What is seen is temporary. The physical body is temporary. We know that this is just simply to be considered by us as a tent. In fact, it's almost as if you are using the tent not only in terms of temporary, but as if you are a visitor, a foreigner, a sojourner. You are someone on the outside. You're camping in the wilderness, but you're not at your home. Because that's what he does in verse 2. Verse two, he says, for in this tent, we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. Notice there's this image that here we are in this tent and we're looking forward to not being in the tent anymore. We're longing for the physical, real, eternal building of God, that reality of all this. This is just this physical thing is just temporary but there's a coming eternal building. And he says, we're groaning for that. Now, I want to take a step back right there and ask ourselves, I think, an important question because that's what Paul says he's doing. He says he's looking forward to getting into the eternal bodies. He's looking forward to the permanent. He's looking forward to what lies ahead and and receiving that dwelling. So here's the question. Is that what we're groaning for? Life perspective, I think, is very important right here. Because I think what you see Paul describing here is that he has such a longing to be with God. His longing is not preservation of the tent. His longing is not, let me try to milk as much as I can out of this physical body. No, no, it's temporary. It's seen. And so he sacrifices it. He gives it over for for the sake of life for others. Well, how can he do that? Well, because he's longing for the eternal body, the eternal building that's from God. That's what he's groaning for. There is this image of great desire to enjoy what God has to offer. And that's what what verse 5 is centered around. Think about what he says now in verse 5. He who has prepared us for this very thing. What very thing? What has he prepared us for? This is your purpose. This is why you're here. Here's what's going to happen. He who has prepared us for this very thing. What's the very thing? Putting aside the physical body and going into the eternal body. He has prepared us for that very thing. Every human, that's what's going to happen. And that is an important perspective. In fact, notice the way he words it in verse four. Start there in the middle of verse four when he says, but that we would be further clothed. So watch what he says. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God. Now, is that how you would have said that? Look at that again in verse four. That the mortal may be swallowed up by life. I don't believe any of us would have said the last word. Here's how we look at life. The mortal is swallowed up by death. The mortal is swallowed up by death. He goes, no, no, that's not how that works. <laughs> the mortal is not swallowed up by death. The mortal is swallowed up by life. And he who made us for that very purpose is God. See, We look at life completely wrong. And that's what Paul is trying to get these Christians to understand. Here is how we look at life. We live now and then we die. And Paul goes, no, no. You've got it completely backward. What's happening is you're dying now and then you live. The mortal is swallowed up by life. You're dying now and will be swallowed up by life to come. See, we have it flipped over. We look at it as it's all about life and living now, living now, living now, and then we die. Paul goes, that's not how we're looking at things. That's not how we perceive things. We perceive that it is the mortal that is being swallowed up by life. And I think that's important to think about. So what's happening is that we have been made to get rid of this physical body so that we can experience life. We have been made to set aside this mortality, this physical body, this temporary thing, so that we can experience life. We are not losing life. We are gaining life. That's how Paul frames how we're supposed to look at things. And and that's what he says is that everything that ultimately we do is in preparation for that. Everything we do is to prepare us for life when we leave this body. That's what everything he is doing is about. This is why he doesn't care that the body is wasting away. It's why he can say our inner self is being renewed while the outer self is wasting away while well, he can give himself over. Paul, why can't you just allow your body to be beaten and stoned and left for it? How can you do that? Because the physical body's dying anyway. We're dying to get to life. But if I flip that over, I get it messed up. And if I think about it's all about living now, then I feel like I'm losing something when I die. And so I hold on to the physical body. And I hold on to this world. And I make life about now. Paul says, you've got it all wrong. We're dying So that we can enjoy life. And that's the third picture of hope then is that life is coming. Mortality is swallowed up in life. And that we would look at it as that way. That's why he says he can groan. Because we know we have an eternal building waiting for us given to us by God and that we have been prepared for that very purpose so that we would shed off the physical body that is dying and decaying and wasting away and come and enjoy the life that God has prepared that is the picture of how he looks at life and that's why he can say in verse 16 we're not discouraged we don't lose heart We're not giving up because we know what we are looking forward to. We know that we have a building. We know that we can long for it. In fact, that's the wording there in verse five. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. So often the New Testament will say you have the spirit as a guarantee. And a way for me to frame that for you is if you believe your sins are forgiven and you believe you belong to the kingdom of God and you believe that you've been transferred out of darkness into light, and you are enjoying all that there is in terms of being a child of God, then you know you also have a building from God. You know that when this physical body goes away, there is something there that is eternal that is going to be given to you. and I hope that helps change your perspective in at least this one way this isn't us we are inside of this that's dying every day none of us are getting out of here alive every single day we are one day closer to death we are dying as soon as you're born you're dying But this isn't us. And God's going to take us out of this and put us in an eternal building. He made us for that purpose, he says. And that's why he doesn't give up. And that's why he doesn't lose heart. In fact, he pushes that even further. Verse six. So we're always of good courage. Paul, you're very excited about death. We're always of good courage because he says in death, it's life. We are of good courage. We have hope. He says, here's what he says in verse eight. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. He says, here's something we know. While we're in this body, there's a separation. Separation. We are unable to enjoy right now everything that God wants us to enjoy. There is a distance. We're in the physical. So while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. You see the picture? The imagery is that while at home in this body, you're really not home yet. But you're looking forward to home. That's why the tent building imagery works probably really well for us. It's like while you're out camping, you're away from home. If you're anything like me, as soon as you're in the tent, you're longing to get back home. (laughs) What am I doing? (laughs) That's how he's picturing it. You're in the tent right now. All right, there's some nice things about the tent, but it's far better to get in the building. And that's what he's hoping for. That's what he's longing for. That's what he's imaging for us. We would rather be away from the body. Let that phrase just sink into us we would rather be away from the body because we know that what that means. It means we're home with God. It means we don't have the pain and the difficulties and the weaknesses that come from this physical thing, but we're going to be given that eternal building that's from God. That's what we've been made for. That's why we're here, is to go through that whole transition process. And so we long for it. He says we're groaning for it. We're yearning for it. Within us, we're just seeking it. And in talking that way of saying, so we walk by faith and not by sight, it then tells us two things. And number one, it tells us faith doesn't hold on to life at all costs. Faith doesn't hold on to this life at all costs. And think about how there are none of the people of faith in the scriptures who ever did that. How does Daniel go... I'm praying to God anyway, throw me in a lion's den. Because he knew this wasn't him. And that this is a tent. And there's a body to come. How do Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, I don't care how hot you make the fire? We're not bowing down. Burn up the body. We don't care. Because this isn't us. This is a tent. And we're groaning and yearning for the eternal body to come. How do the apostles give up their lives? How does Stephen stand up and proclaim what he proclaims to be stoned to death? You see, the people of faith have always had a mentality that's not about this life and it's not about this body. This body is just an instrument that is carrying me to life. That life is not now. I'm not protecting life now. I'm trying to protect the life to come and I'm dying now. That's the imagery that is given to us. Therefore, this sounds weird, but death is the goal of life because ultimately the separation of the body is necessary so that we aren't separated from God anymore. Soon as the body becomes separated from, from me, then I get to be with God. That's what he says. We know that we have that. We have that building from God. Or to use the words of verse four, mortality, mortality must be swallowed up by life. That's what we're looking forward to. That's what we long for. That's what we hope for. All right, so let's wrap it up then with a couple of of, of ideas. Then notice what he says in verse nine then. So whether we are at home, that'd be with God or away, we make it our aim to please him. Big, important goal here. We must make it our goal. To be pleasing to God. Why? Because the opposite then becomes true. If we make it our goal to please ourselves, then we don't have hope of life. We're making our hope here. If we make it our aim to please ourselves, to do what we want, fulfill our desires, do what we think is best worry about this world, worry about our bodies, worry about our wants and desires and wishes, we make it about pleasing ourselves. There's no hope of life. You see how we drew that connection? Because life is to come, we do not make it our aim to please ourselves. We make it our aim to please God. Since I understand that this is all temporary and transient and passing and that I'm not this body and it's all fading away and that mortality must be swallowed up in life. And so I give my body over to these things. Then I'm looking for life to come and I make it my aim to please God so that I can attain that. And that's what he says in verse 10. For we all must appear. Before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Notice a simple summary of that. Accountability is certain. Accountability is certain. We will receive what is due for us in the body. Judgment is certain. We all must, underline the word must, we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And so that tells us that we have to ask ourselves this critical question. What are we going to do with our body to prepare for life? I want you to always frame it in that way. Don't say to yourself, What will I do to prepare for death? What will you do to prepare for life? Life's ahead. Life's not now. Life's ahead. We're dying now. Dying's not ahead. Life's ahead. So what are you doing with your body now to prepare for life? That's what he's asking. That's what he's getting at to the Corinthians where he's trying to get them to understand. We make it our aim to please God. Why? Because life's ahead. Life isn't now. And so often we can get that distorted. And the reason why we aim to please ourselves, it's why we sin. It's why we turn our back on God and plunge ourselves into sins because we think we have to get it now. Desires need to be fulfilled now. We need to enjoy what there is now. Death is coming. Life is short. We got to be able to get it all now. No, 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 no. Life is then. And dying to ourselves is now. And so we do not aim to please ourselves so that we can enjoy the life to come. And so the question that has to be given to us is what are we going to do with our time? And let me ask it this way. What do you make the goal of your life to be? Is the goal of your life to make a lot of money? The goal of your time while you are away from God in this body is to have some great hobby. The goal of your life is to binge watch all the TV you can possibly stand. The goal of this life is to see the world and see the sights. Or your goal in this life is to do absolutely nothing, sit on a couch your dying day. What's the goal of your life? Have you ever watched enough of the news to see the sadness of what is praised for a life well lived? How our world tries to define that. You know, they worked really hard at their job and they made a lot of money. And, you know, so now they live in a trailer off the keys where they can pick up seashells every day for the rest of their lives. What a life. Yeah. Is that really life? Are you really getting life by making a pile of money, watching a pile of TV, being able to see the world sights? So that's life? Or is there something more? In fact... Notice the wording of verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. I understand that my time here is short and that my body is dying and that life is not here, but life is to come. And the goal is to make it our aim to be pleasing to God because we're all going to stand before the judgment seat. What a conclusion to make in verse 11. What I do with my time is I persuade others. I tell others. I've got to tell them about what this world is and how we're seeing it all backward. So let me end then just simply with this question that we would use our body for the purpose of service to God. Are you living because you will die or are you dying because you will live? Let that resonate every day in your decision making. You making decisions trying to live now because you're going to die or are you making decisions because you understand you're dying now so that you can live? Do we use our body for the purpose that God has given us? Or will we stand before God and as he says, we will all appear before the judgment seat Will we all stand before him and stand in regret for how we used our bodies in trying to consume so much of this life and failing to see that it's life that's coming. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, it is so difficult to walk by faith and not by sight. God, I pray that you would forgive us for the frequency by which we walk by sight and not by faith. Forgive us, Lord, for when we live for this world, we live as if this is all that there is to life. Forgive us for how we try to make so much of ourselves and make it about our own desires and pleasing ourselves. Forgive us for how often we do that. And, Lord, we live in a culture right now that tells us that's all there is to life. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us the strength to withstand it. And, Lord, we pray that you would give us strength as each of us comes closer and closer to our time when we put off this physical body. And help us to be of good courage and to not lose heart and to have the hope that the Apostle Paul declares. And help us to see that our body was not meant to last. And help us to always remember that we are entering into life. And that mortality had to be swallowed up in that life. Lord, give us courage and strength to face those obstacles and difficulties. Because we do so often make decisions based on the physical Lord, help us to see that we are not these physical bodies. And Lord, we groan and we long and we we yearn for a time when we will be able to be with you and no longer away from you. Father, we look forward to going home. We look forward to shutting off the pain of this body. We look forward to shutting off its weaknesses deficiencies we look forward to you wiping away the tears from our eyes and to be able to enjoy a true comfort that you have promised to us lord help us to make decisions today and every day that reflect how much we look forward to being with you and how much we look forward to the life that lies ahead of us help us then, Lord, to sacrifice and offer up our bodies in service to you. Because we know that we have life ahead. And we know that that is all that matters. In Jesus' name, amen. You. you may not have heard of this man before. He was somewhat of an influential preacher, though D. Bowman passed away last week. I always loved listening to him because he, at some point in his time, he always ended his sermons by saying, if you've missed heaven, you've missed everything worth living for. And how true that is. You were made to be with God for eternity. Don't miss out on what God has to offer to you. That life lies ahead if you will stop living for self and living for Jesus with all of your heart. Would you turn away from your sins? Be a follower of him with all of your heart, immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins, and then seek to follow him daily with the great hope of life that lies ahead. No fear in death, but instead looking forward to life to come. Can we help you in any way? Won't you come while we stand and while we sing?